Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. My name is Krista Williams. My name is Lindsay Simsick. We're happy you're here. Are you changing your last name? I did officially, but I feel like it's a lot to think about changing publicly with the brand. Because it's a lot of legal a lot of legal stuff, mm-hmm. SEO. I'm fine keeping like, yeah, like LLC stuff. Totally. It's a little bit of a bitch. It is kind of an effort. So I was wanting to change my Instagram handle at some point. But also, who cares? I know. <laughs> Honestly. I'm like, I'm, I legally changed it. It's fine. We're good. I don't know. There's so much paperwork with marriage. Yeah, man. That I didn't do, obviously. But <laughs> there's so much like, there's so much like legal hoops. It's like, what is this? Uh-huh. I, I bought a whole, I bought this box. It's like, oh, yeah. Newly, new, newlywed something where like, they give you the step-by-step of how to change your name. Here are all the documents. I had to go to the social security office. You got to go to the, the DMV. Da, 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 da. And it's like, I get it. But can't we just fill out one form, Yeah, send it, and then all of those are changed? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Why would we do that? I mean, daddy government. I just yeah. can't with all the paperwork it's and crazy. all the things. It's like, it's what is crazy. this whole thing? And then like, when you have a baby, then it's like, then you have to apply for their like, their social security yes. and this or that, which is not a huge deal. But they also spelled my name wrong. No way. Yeah, they spelled my name wrong. Now I have to like go to the office, go to the hospital, have a change. I'm like, A-Y, Lindsay with an A or what? No, my last name, like you had to put your maiden name yeah. as well as your new one. And they spelled my maiden name. So maybe it's not a huge deal. Like S-M-C-K. Like it wasn't even a word. I was like, oh, yeah. No way. Just one of those things. I mean, just I one can't. of those things. We're going to be talking today about hormones with Dr. Taz, which I'm really excited about. So hormones is like a conversation that we've been having for quite some time with yes. our audience. I think we started talking about hormones in like their first year. So probably 2017 when I was going through my own hormone journey. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I had come from New York. I was living in New York City and was just burning myself out, burning myself out. I was working out 100 times a week. I wasn't really nourishing my body. I was going out all the time. And when I moved to LA, it just everything just crashed and my hormones just were completely out of whack. And I also got off birth control around that time. So it's been like yeah. a birth control hormone journey. And it's interesting with hormones because it's like I've had moments in the past couple of years where they've been really great and healthy. I got them tested probably about six months ago and they were almost like flat. Like I didn't really have much testosterone much estrogen much anything what do you want to have what is i guess it should be a healthy balance of so what's important is having a healthy balance of your estrogen and progesterone they should be almost equal and then you should have healthy cortisol in the morning that Uh tapers off through the day so cortisol gets you out of bed kelly levesque would say it helps you be bright-eyed and Uh bushy-tailed in the morning so healthy cortisol is really important but for a lot of people because our cortisol levels are so high people have like weird spikes at the end of the day or in the night And then testosterone should be 
I think relatively stable. I'm actually not quite sure. For women, it's probably a lot different in the cycles than men. But having healthy testosterone is so important for like your body fat percentage, mm-hmm. for your energy, like for stamina, for so many different things. But I almost have like no hormones. You don't have a hormone in your body. I don't have a hormone <laughs> in my body. I'm like... <laughs> She's a doll. I'm not a human. I'm a doll. I'm pretty much a blow up doll with nothing going on. So I've had to work. I've been working with Joy Wellness on supporting my hormones. But it's funny because I feel so healthy. I feel so good that it was like, oh, I still feel so good. But even my hormones still. And what have you started to do? Added DHEA. So uh DHEA is a precursor to a lot of hormones, like a building block to a lot of hormones. Vitamin D is really important selenium Mm -hmm. and just specific supplements that are going to help me build and create almost those hormones in my body, which has been really good. And then there's just body, there's just lifestyle stuff. It's like still monitoring my stress, still being mindful about how much sleep I'm getting, how much I'm meditating, how much, yeah, I'm supporting my body. Having levels, the glucose monitor has also helped. The blood sugar, having stable blood sugar has also helped me support my hormones too. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting. Like, Pre, obviously your hormones change so much when you get pregnant, especially in that first trimester. That's why you're feeling so bad. And then you hit like a fucking glow period in your second trimester where like your skin looks amazing. I think the estrogen is, has increased. Yeah. Your skin looks amazing. Your energy's awesome. But anyway, after birth, it's been important because I think there's a couple periods where your hormones either drop severely, I think it's the 10-day mark, and then also like after you give up breastfeeding, I'm still breastfeeding, so that's fine, but it's a lot. But what I did was there's like, there's a an approach the first 40 days, which is very much an Eastern approach, which I know Dr. Taz is definitely kind of that balance between Eastern and Western approaches. And I focused mostly on like the nutrition piece of that. So like, for example, taking from like Chinese medicine and Ayurveda, only eating like warm foods and beverages, like exclusively, not washing your hair because that's like a cold. So you really want to create like a an environment for healing in your body because not only are you physically healing, hormonally you're healing, energetically you're healing. So I, right now I'm three months out and I feel like that made all the difference because I really, I hear so many stories of women who are incredibly depleted after pregnancy and after birth rightfully so it's insane and I really made it like my priority to nourish myself in that way I gave my parents the first 40 days cookbook and they cooked me like so amazing like they would bring in a ton of food based like in this eastern approach and yeah I just I feel really good Mm -hmm. thankfully but I haven't gotten my hormones checked. So I'm really curious. I think I'll probably do it like top of the new year just to see like how we're, how we're going. But it's so important. It's kind of like that. It's that piece that not a lot of people will talk about and they're wondering why they're not feeling great. So if you can get your hormones checked, like I think it's essential. Yeah, it's your mood. It's your sex drive. It's like yes. It's so important to your weight, to your energy levels. It's powerful. And I'm so grateful that we've been able to have conversations with experts in this space that have educated us in so many different ways. Because also, too, a lot of the research and a lot of information on health and wellness is based on men. And men are on a completely different cycle. They have a 24-hour cycle. We have a 28 to 31-day cycle that is aligned to the moon. That is aligned. You know what I mean? It's like 
it's actually so powerful and spiritual and amazing. And I really loved this conversation with Dr. Taz because we talked about hormones from a perspective that I've never talked about before. She actually talked about hormones from a spiritual lens as it relates to the chakra system, as it relates to like the Eastern principles. And we've usually come at it from a very Western approach, understanding what the hormones are, understanding what they do, how they impact us, diving into the research, diving into things like brain on birth control with Dr. Sarah Hill. And so this was really, really beautiful. And I felt like rounded out our larger conversation that we've been having with the Almost 30 community about hormones in a way that was like fascinating to Mm -hmm. me. And is there like, we kind of know the traditional shifts in hormones, like so puberty, et cetera. Like, is there like a marker for in your 30s? You know, what's crazy is in her book, The Hormone Shift. So Dr. Taz came on to talk about her book, The Hormone Shift. She actually has a graph that's like, zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21. And it's like all these seven year cycles of your hormone shifts. And there is a really significant point in your later 20s that I can't really remember, but is in the book. Wow. And I felt like it was so fascinating because I know our focus on almost 30 was like that period until our 30s. We're now in our 30s, but there is something that's very very pertinent and very important that happens in that time. It's kind of wild. Like if it is in the late 20s, thinking about the Saturn return and just kind of like that whole. Yeah. Like how it's all connected. Yeah. Especially as we write our book Mm -hmm. on that topic. But it's interesting, too, because when you're teens, like you're 10 to 14 or 14 to 18, those years that a lot of people are being put on birth control from a brain development perspective, that's when your brain is developing in such a really, really important way. And when you are on hormonal birth control, you're actually replacing hormones that are naturally being created by your body with synthetic hormones. So then your brain is creating itself and creating your personality based on synthetic hormones. Yeah. And so there's such an importance for us to have conversations about brain development for young women, like how they're being put on birth control. I was on birth control from a young age, so I'm a birth control brain. I don't even know what that means, but we are just really doing something that's way more serious for our health with birth control than I think any of us really understood when it first came on the scene. Yeah. My first appointment postpartum, that was one of the first questions they asked. What are you doing for birth control? What if you were like, I don't want to do it. Like, it's so weird because what if you're like, I don't want to do anything. Totally. Well, that's like me. I was like, well, just be careful, I guess. Yeah. But also, and like I can track my cycle and ovulation and stuff. But I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends who have gotten pregnant had the baby and then went right back on birth control. No shade at all. But it's like, that's kind of a thing. It's kind of like one of those expected things. Yeah. If you don't want to have another anytime soon. And I just wonder also what that does. Yeah. Because you then you have to come off of it. And then you have to have a period of time where you're like balancing your hormones. I'm curious about the breast milk. Oh, yeah. Or you can't. Yeah, I wonder, actually. Or can you be on birth control and be breastfeeding? That's A very good question. I think so. They say that you generally don't get your period until you're done breastfeeding, but that is a very like, you can absolutely still get pregnant when you're breastfeeding, but they said it's harder. But that's a good question, actually. I don't know. I don't don't know either. Again, no shade to BC, but yeah, just providing alternative options and kind of getting curious about what we're taking and what we're ingesting has been something that you know, it's been super interesting for us to explore. Okay. So this episode with Dr. Taz, MD, she's an integrative medicine professional. Her book is The Hormone Shift, which is out now. 
And it's really, really good book. Yeah, I actually book. really felt like she came at it from a totally different perspective, mm -hmm. which is super interesting. So I'm excited for you guys to get it. I'm excited for you to listen to this one. If you're in conversations with your friends about hormones, if you guys are talking about health and wellness, share this with them. This is how we've grown the show. This is how you can build community and relationships with people in your life. Thank you, Dr. Taz, for coming on Almost 30. You can find more information about her at drtaz, that's T-A-Z dot com. She's on Instagram at Dr. Taz. And the book is The Hormone Shift. Heck yeah. Thank you all for listening. We love you so, so much. You can learn more about Almost 30 at almost30.com. We have courses and programs. We have our membership. And we also have Morning Microdose, which is our weekly show. So every single day of the week, we drop a shorter episode, a gem from the Almost 30 podcast that you can listen to to start your day, five to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. We'll see you on the other side. Bye. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these Superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health 
routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervin has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 and um, It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. So happy you're here. Thank you. So good to have you. I can't wait to, there's so much we've already talked about that I can't wait to explore. But I know something you mentioned before was your journey with your hormone health. And I myself had my hormone health scare or nightmare journey when I was like 27, beginning of my Saturn return. And that was around when we started the podcast. But I'm curious of what was going on in your life in your late 20s that was led you to this career and really having that huge wake-up moment with your hormones. Definitely. You know, I always say my career is an accidental journey like many are, right? I was not supposed to be on this path. I was supposed to be doing ICU medicine or ER medicine. I was like an adrenaline junkie, really loved that type of work. Still do to a certain extent. And I had had a long history, right? Getting into medical school was challenging. Going through residency, especially back in my time, was brutal. I took an ER job where I was on for 12 hours, then we'd flip and we'd do night shifts for the next seven days. So there was no sleep or regularity of sleep. And then I came from a lot of childhood trauma, to be 100% honest, right? So it was chaos from as early as I can remember. And sometimes I wonder if chaos is just a comfortable place for me, right? Because that's how I grew up. But the body tells its own story. And so as the years go by, 15, 16, 21, 23. By 26, I'm out of medical school. I'm in my first job. I crash out. My hormones completely go haywire. And I did not realize that. I was having a lot of fatigue, a lot of brain fog. Mentally, I'm usually on and ready to go. I'm very high energy. And suddenly, I couldn't get out of bed. And it was just a chore to kind of move on with the day. 
I then had cystic acne, very painful, very obvious cystic acne, started spending money, getting facials, money I still didn't really have yet, right? I'm right out of school and residency and, you know, doing facials every week and nothing getting under control. And so then my hair starts falling out and it's subtle. So it's nothing that you notice at first, but as time is going by, I've got big patches and ER patients are looking at my scalp, not listening to what I'm saying. And so it was finally my husband, who I was dating at the time, and my mom were like, you're not yourself. Something's wrong. Please go get checked out. And so it really took, even though I was a doctor, it took that like to shake me out of kind of whatever fog I was in. So I started going to doctors and I went to a general physician. And then I went to probably an endocrinologist, a rheumatologist, I just got the runaround is probably the long story short. I was told I was anxious. I was told I was depressed. I was told that that there was nothing wrong with my hormones. There's nothing wrong from an endocrinology standpoint. I was told that there everything was kind of in my head. I mean, you name it, sort of the gaslighting mm-hmm. phrases and mantras that unfortunately women still hear about today. This is about over 20 years ago, by the way, are still in existence. And so it took the last doctor's appointment. This is probably doctor appointment number eight or nine. And he looks at me and he's like, if you don't take this medication, you will be bald in the next couple of years. He goes, you're a young woman, take this. And I think it'll make your symptoms better. So it was a medication to reduce androgens. It was spironolactone. But I have terrible side effects from medications. And I have low blood pressure to begin with. That medication drops your blood pressure even further. So on a random day, I go work out. I drank a little bit of water, probably not enough, had taken the medication, jump in my car, start to get super lightheaded, pass out as I'm driving. So swerve, crash, fortunately didn't hurt anybody else, but definitely for me, it was like, okay, this is not working. Probably four months, six months have gone by with all these appointments. I'm not feeling great. I'm being told I'm anxious, depressed, stressed, normal, whatever else. Meanwhile, everyone around me is like, something's wrong. And so that's where I just was like, I have to do this myself. In fact, I almost got chills rereading the book. It was like, there's a line there. I have to fix this myself. And that's exactly what I set out to do. So I found the world. This was not when we had everything right at our fingertips. I'm dating myself a little bit here, but I somehow found the world of holistic medicine and went to a weekend conference they were having. My brain just went nuts. It was like words I hadn't heard before. A lot of talk about food. And these are not things I was trained in at all in medical school. And so from from there, like you get really curious. And so I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more about Chinese medicine. I wanted to learn more about Ayurveda and nutrition. So I set about getting all those different certifications, A, really for myself, but somewhat out of intellectual curiosity too. So as the journey continues, I learned that I was gluten intolerant. I had a thyroid issue that had gone undetected. I have PCOS, still do, still an issue. And that sort of mix of very poor gut health, very poor nutritional health, very poor hormonal health, probably secondary to one, two, and then the trauma had resulted in all these symptoms of like inflammation and fatigue and exhaustion and all this other stuff that I was experiencing. So once I figured it out, within about 90 days, I felt better. Within about six months, everyone around me could visibly see a difference. My acne started to go away. My hair started to come back in. But people were watching. People were watching this journey, whether it was my colleagues, whether it was my friends or whoever else. 
And they were like, what'd you do? What was different? You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, I wasn't the only one having this experience. And it became very clear that everyone had questions, had needs, wanted answers, and they were all getting dismissed in their exam room. So my sweet husband, who has got his own career path going, is watching this, right? He's been kind of on the sidelines of this entire journey, like cheerleading along the way. And he's like, I think you need to do something with this. He's like, this is crazy. He goes, why do people keep coming up to you and asking you like what supplement to take or what diet they should be on? He goes, you're an ER doctor. Like, you know, he goes, maybe you need to do something. So that encouraged me to do the fellowship in integrative medicine with Andy Weil. And once I finished that program, which is a two-year program, I was like, I'm doing something with this. And so he started his little practice. I took two rooms in the back. I didn't want a business. I wasn't thinking entrepreneurially, right? I was just thinking this is something I'm really passionate about and I'm going to share my information with folks. So I had two little acupuncture rooms where I did acupuncture at a consult room. It was the back of his dental office. That's how we began. We shared overhead. His sister was the front desk. I had one child then I had the second child. I went in with my second child. She would hold him. Like this was like 2008, 2009 recession. You know, I was like, no one's going to come. Surely no one will come. This is just like a little thing for me to do. Still work the ER. I got slammed and I got slammed pretty quickly. And the same story of wanting answers, trying to understand what was going on was just a repetitive sort of theme, patient after patient after patient. They would wait on my floors, you know, waiting for me to come out because the space was too small. They would drive from all over the place. They would put up with so much crap back then. Because again, remember, it's not like a real practice or a real business. It was kind of like, okay, Taz, Taz thinks this, you know, that type of thing. So they put up with a lot, those early patients. But thank God for them. I learned so much. And, you know, I, I won't go through every experience, but when you hear the same things, I think the, the final experience was a woman who avoided doctors because she had been dismissed so many times and she was having breast pain. And she had not been to a doctor in two or three years, had breast pain for about six months, did not want to go and see anyone, heard about me, thought I might be a doctor that she could trust. And of course, she had breast cancer, rock hard breasts that have been sitting there. And I just looked at her and like, why, why didn't you get this checked? How long has this been here? And she's like, I, I hate the medical system. I hate doctors. I didn't, I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know who to turn to. And I went home that night and I told my husband, I'm getting chills again. I just told him, I go, this is not working. I go, we have to do things differently. And I go, I can't be a half-ass consult doctor. I go, I'm all in. This has to be a medical home. This has to be where people come. I can manage their care and we take care of all of it and we're not farming them out. And they're having arguments with their physicians who are telling them I'm a quack. I've got to do something differently. So I really committed to creating a full service family practice, treating women and children at first, but then we expanded to treating men because everyone wanted us to be 100% honest. And now fast forward, we're about to celebrate our 15th anniversary. We have 12 providers. We have two locations in a virtual platform. We have a spa. So looking back, it's surreal thinking about how I started, but the stories haven't changed. It's still everyone wanting more information about their health and not getting the answers that they need. When you were talking about the woman with the breast cancer, there's like emotion there. I don't know. I mean, I think as a doctor, you always, you have a little bit of a 
I'm going to fix this complex, yeah. right? She passed Which away. Which is what you said earlier. Yeah. Like you want yeah, to fix things. The fixer, this. right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. It's, it's crazy. It happens all the time. Every time crazy. we these chairs, it happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, I, this was 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, of course. But no, I just, her story, right? Like her inability to like have anywhere to go, you know, and she did pass away. She did fight. We supported her in the fight and all that other stuff. But it's just that same desperation, yeah. I think, that I'm dialing into, right? Yeah. Like, I felt it. My patients continue to feel it. Yeah. Even to this day, like, they will, the, our exam rooms are a place where they finally get to release, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's just feeling for all of us as women. Yeah. I think that's what that emotion's about. Mm-hmm. It's just our story. Yeah. And how do we change it? And yeah. how do we rewrite it? Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure this doesn't keep happening over and over again? to any of us. Yeah. It feel, the, the feeling of being dismissed, the feeling of being other, the feeling of being gaslit in the doctor's office, the feeling of just, yeah, it's like you're a problem for being there or like there's never comfort, there's never safety. And especially in the hormones conversation, I mean, it hasn't been a conversation really. And it's something that completely affects all areas of our lives. And so it's just heartbreaking to know that so many people have not been able to understand or support themselves. But I can only imagine what it would feel like for you to have women coming with their last hope to hopefully be seen and heard and felt by you. But I'm grateful for what you do. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, Thank you. it's really, really important. In those, the women that came, what were like some of the general themes? Because I'd love to just talk about the themes that women come to you for or like the issues that they come to you for so that the women of our audience can sort of see where they may fit in some of those areas. Yeah. So there are so many. I mean, probably one, two, three, four, five is energy. Energy is a big one. Why has my energy shifted? And mm-hmm. that's across all ages of mm-hmm. women. I'm not just talking about women of a certain age. It's really across the ages. I think cognitive health and brain health mm-hmm. is a big one. Like, hey, I'm used to being like, kind of what I said. I'm used to being high functioning. And all of a sudden I can't remember words. I can't remember names. I'm getting tired. I can't focus. That's a huge one. Weight is a very big one. That's a massive one where, mm-hmm. you know, things aren't working anymore or their bodies aren't responding in a particular way. So that's a big one. Fertility is another one. A lot of women, especially now too, with all the conversation around freezing eggs and things like that, very interested in their fertility, the length of their fertility, you know, having a good pregnancy. There's a lot tied up in that too with preconception, right? Trying to be as healthy as you can before you have that baby. There's a lot of other things, acne, hair loss, right? Joint pain, inflammation. These are all things that drive people in. From a diagnostic standpoint, a lot of those symptoms, though, are related to things like PCOS, which is what I had, Hashimoto's disease, which is another big one that keeps coming up over and over again, having high stored estrogen, having low progesterone. So a lot of these patterns or a lot of these symptoms are actually conditions that mimic different hormone patterns. So usually people get treatment for each of their symptoms. You come in and you're tired, you're gaining weight, you're foggy. Okay, there's take this for tiredness, take this for weight, take this for being foggy. There's a list, right? But in actuality, all of those are caused by the same thing. So understanding the underneath piece of that, which for a lot of women is hormones. We're such hormonal creatures. And sometimes it's true for men too. I think they're actually getting more dismissed than we realize because they're not getting that deep dive into their health either. You know, so they also have a lot of issues as testosterone shifts, as thyroid level shift, as blood sugar shifts. And we see it in a different way in men versus women. 
But I think the key there is that trying to understand the underneath and looking at hormones and how they're impacting all the different systems of our body, that's getting missed over and over again. What would you say the misconceptions are that you see about hormones? Because there's so much information out there. You know, I remember when I first heard about cortisol Mm -hmm. as the hormone, because I was like, cortisol equals belly fat. Belly fat equals bad. I need to reduce my cortisol to reduce my belly fat. And I think for men, it's probably hearing about testosterone. Testosterone makes you more of a man. And it's these hyper-focus on these specific hormones. And that was kind of like my end to understanding hormones. But now I know that cortisol is a beautiful thing. It's great at certain times of the day and not at others. What are some of the misconceptions that you see right now around hormones? I think one of the biggest misconceptions and one that really irks me is that you can't check your hormones. You can't track them, check them, you can't trend them and understand the direction they're headed in. I think that that's one thing that we need to bury because I think it's very important to check your I don't care how you check them. I don't care if you do lab core blood tests or if you do a saliva test or if you do a Dutch test, right? Everyone wants to debate. Again, to me, that's a lot of minutia. We can debate that to the ends of the earth. But it's just important to check them because whatever tool you use, you can understand the trends and the patterns. So that's one. And I think most women today are hearing, we don't need to check them. It's not important. Every, you have to check them at a certain time of the month. Again, that's, those are very academic answers. We want the average woman out there running around, being busy, busting it in their careers or with their families or whatever. We want to make it easy for them to understand what's happening. So that's the first one. The second one is that there's really not uh, an acceptance around how hormones are impacting other areas of the body. Mental health, obviously cosmetics and hair and skin and those type of things joint health and rheumatological conditions, for sure, inflammatory conditions, gut health, you know, all of these are influenced by hormones. So that's the second thing we've got to really reset and change for moving forward. And then I think the last is that hormones are not fixable or not, that's not the right word. Hormones are not in a fixed spot where this is they. This is the way they are. This is the way they're always going to be. So go chop your breast off, take your uterus out, take your ovaries out, like, you know, chop, you know, now you're safe. That really gets on my nerves. Hormones are just as fluid as the rest of us. It responds to our biochemistry. It responds to our nutrients. It responds to how we live our life. It responds to trauma and stress. It responds to food. There's so many things that hormones are responsive to. And in turn, really determine what your hormone balance is going to look like. If you've been highly stressed, if you have been traumatized in some capacity, yes, you're going to have a cortisol issue, but that cortisol issue in turn has a domino effect on all the other hormones in your body. When I have a patient, for example, who's going through a divorce or who has had a significant loss, or we know that there's a major trauma in their life, we are actively checking their levels for 18 months or so because we want to make sure that they're not now starting to store estrogen or their cortisol's out of control or their thyroid's crashed out. These are things we want to stay on top of. So I think there needs to be some understanding of when these things happen, because life is a journey. So when these things happen, it is a time to double down and even understand your trends and your patterns more. With the trauma, how does trauma specifically impact your hormones? And is it something that impacts it from a certain age and then it becomes a pattern that your body tends to repeat? Or is it something that can just happen temporarily? A little bit of both. And this is where I love a lot of my backgrounds in Chinese and Ayurvedic medicine. And I love the way they think about this. So they actually believe when you're born, you're gifted with a certain amount of energy. And it's your responsibility to build that energy up further or you're going to deplete the energy, right? So it's your responsibility to understand that. 
So they already had understood 5,000 years ago the ideas around generational trauma, the ideas around parental trauma. They already understood all that, right? Because they said some people come into the world a little bit weaker than others. So how do we identify those? They would try to identify those folks. So they would then have a whole toolbox and a treatment plan around how to build your energy. So that's the Chinese medicine interpretation of it. But what they have done a beautiful job of, as has Ayurveda and many other Eastern systems of medicine, is that whether the trauma is new or old, or whether it's chronic or acute, trauma and stress and grief live in certain meridians or energy pathways of the body. So for example, grief will live in the lung meridian. So many people who are grieving will experience things like, I can't breathe, my chest feels tight, right? You hear that all the time. People that have had a great loss or trauma that has resulted in anger, that's living in the liver. So the next thing you know that they're gaining weight because their blood sugar is now dysregulated. They're having issues with estrogen and estrogen buildup. So yes, all the emotions, and I write about this in the book, The Hormone Shift. There's a whole chapter on emotions and what they do to your hormones. All of these different emotions impact hormones in multiple ways. And what they do is they impact the flow of energy through the body. That's what the emotional stuff does. And the organ systems in Chinese medicine that are responsible for hormone metabolism can no longer do their job. So the epidemic of high cortisol, insulin resistance, estrogen dominance, we can blame stress, chronic stress, grief, fear, worry, and many of these emotions that women today experience on, on any given day. Mm -hmm. So yes, to answer your question, yes, emotions do absolutely impact your hormones. The stronger the emotions, the greater the impact. I unfortunately, you know, in my head, and I wish it wasn't there, but when someone tells me their story and they've gone through a really ugly experience, whether it's a bad business issue or a bad marital issue or something with a child or whatever it is, as women, we do so many different things. If they are not good about following through with their self-care and the advice that we're trying to create for them, you can clock it. 18 months later, I'm dealing with something, some sort of diagnosis, some sort of disease process that has now manifested itself. So we want to understand this emotional rhythm in all of us. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things I really want to get out there as well. It's like this emotional body very much is driving what's happening in the physical body, right? The two are communicating. And if we don't, and I think we've done a lot of work in the mental body, like I'm going to think, I'm going to rewire my brain, I'm going to manifest, I'm going to like double down and do this stuff and check, check mark. I'm guilty too. I'm right there with everybody else. But the emotional body of how you feel and what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad and what brings you joy and what is brings you despair, those are really important. And it's not just about drinking enough water and eating fiber and sleeping. You've got to live in that space too, or your hormones will crash. Yeah, that's huge. I remember I did a darkness retreat for like five days. It was like just darkness in a wow. cave, beginning having my list of things I was going to do. I was like, I'm going to do Reiki on myself. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do all these things. And after an hour, you're pretty much clocked out of what all the things right. you can do. And so then you have to just be. And just how scary it is to be in your body and how scary it is to for me to really be in a space where I only had, I had no other option but to allow my feelings to be felt and allow myself to just feel the full scope and capacity of my feelings. But since doing that, I've really realized how much I resist feeling my feelings fully. Mm -hmm. I'm so much better at it now. But 
I think that we as like a culture don't really create space to fully feel our feelings or be in our body or be in presence. And I think people are scared of it. And I think people aren't really making the time. But something that I think a lot of these topics touch on, and we were talking about this before we got on, is around how women are just so burnt out. Mm -hmm. The hormones is impacted because of our schedules, because we're doing all the things. Like because we're not making space and time to process our emotions, we're feeling so many different things that we're picking up on every single day. And we're just like doing the most. And I don't think it's serving a lot of us. What's been your view on that? Women just like go, go, go and burning themselves out. Well, in 2017, I wrote The Superwoman Rx. And that book was very much inspired by the story of women and how I hadn't met a woman that wasn't what I would call a superwoman. Every woman I know was doing 50 things and taking care of 50 people and running around cities or towns or whatever else. And being rewarded for it. And yeah. And so so they were crashing out, but they were crashing out in different ways. And so what I was trying to do with that book is say like, hey, at least if you understood who you were a little bit, then maybe you could start a roadmap to self-discovery and to self-care because that becomes so important, how you feed yourself, how you take care of yourself. I mean, look, we have a problem. We're the most stressed generation of women in history. And the reason we're so stressed is because the choices are now, there's so many choices. We can be, we can run businesses, we can run companies, we can have a job, we can be executives, we can not do anything and stay home. But every choice has a lot of little caveats that go with it. And we're not really living, I was with a group of women last night, we were talking about this. We're not really living in a framework that has adjusted to the ability of women to do a lot of different things. The framework that still exists today is that someone's going to be home taking care of the kids and the home and the feeding and the, you know, all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And someone else is going to go out and work, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the, that's the framework that, that exists. There is not a true partnership framework that exists at a societal level. We might have it in a micro way in some families, but not globally or culturally, right? And so you've got women just doing it all. They're doing more than 80% of the house chores, and they're also earning sometimes more than their partners, right? That's a crash out equation. That math doesn't work. It absolutely does not work. And I've been there with women, and it's really tough. You know, for a while, I was the breadwinner. My husband was in school for a couple of years while I was actually out and working. He always jokes. He's like, the only reason that happened is because you're five years older than me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> but anyhow, but he makes a point and I experienced that as well. And we've continued as a couple to observe it in our other friends, too, is that when I had to take on sole responsibility for the two of us, I was a stressed out basket case. I was in panic mode all the time. Now, is that childhood trauma? Because I saw some of that. Maybe. But I didn't have the peace of mind of like, oh, well, whatever. It's okay. We'll get to this next month. Let me put this aside. No, I'm like being OCD about all of that stuff. And so that bleeds into the relationship, right? When he came out and the tables turned for a period of time, right, where I'm having babies, so I'm not working as much. I'm starting this fun consulting type practice just for pure love and joy and wasn't worried about money. He had a totally different framework from which he functioned. He wasn't worried constantly. He wasn't obsessive compulsive. He spent without thinking anything that I needed or the children needed. It wasn't like sitting on his chest. And when I questioned him and when we sit there and dial into that, and now we're at a whole different place, you know, and all that other stuff. But when we talk about it, he's just like, you guys were meant as women to nurture 
and to love and to care and to grow things, right? He goes, the minute anybody walks in and takes that away from you, he goes, you guys don't flourish. He goes, I'm not being a chauvinist. He goes, I promise I'm not being a chauvinist. He goes, your framework is there to nurture. That is the primal. He goes, it's primal. He goes, it's animalistic. That is really what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out and hunt. But he goes, does that mean women can't have a job or can't have a career? He's like, no, it means that there has to be partnership and that men have to evolve as well, or the other partner has to evolve as well into more of a 50-50 versus this 80-20 role. And so that's why women are so stressed, because from our societal standpoint, we don't have paid maternity leave. We don't have accommodations for running after children or bringing children to work when they're sick or things like that. So we're spending our days doing logistics. You know, I mean, most women you talk to are doing logistics. Who goes here? Who goes there? Who's doing dinner? Who's doing this? Like you're running a small company in your homes a lot of the time. And that gets old. And if you're doing that and you're working and you have deadlines and stressors or employees or whatever else, it's not sustainable. So it's breaking apart the family and it's breaking women down pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah, I was just talking about this yesterday with someone on the show, just like the attack on the family unit and Mm -hmm. just how heartbreaking it is to see so many of the women in our community and so many women that I know doing it all. Yep. And being in positions where, and I love men, I love, I've always loved men, I have great relationships with them, but being in positions where they're in relationships with men that are not at all holding their end of the bargain of what's required from a man. Right. As a provider, as a like stabilizer, as a grounding force. And so many, most of my friends make more than their partners, which is a beautiful thing. I think it's so amazing that women have come to a place where through a short period of time in the time we've been working, we're just crushing it. But then they're completely burnt out. They don't feel good. They don't feel sexy. They don't feel in their feminine. They don't feel safe. Right. That's the biggest thing is they don't feel safe in their body. They don't feel safe to relax. They don't feel safe to surrender. And then it impacts the marriage. It impacts their friendships and it impacts their hormones and health. It's just heartbreaking. And I feel like I was reading this book. I kind of been on this tip of reading these like really radical books, but it was a book on the masculine feminine polarity. And one of the parts was like, if men expect women to go 50-50, then they're expecting women to give 50%, but also be 100% of a woman. Right. And I think as a culture and society, we do expect women to be everything. We're like, if you're going to go 50-50 in a marriage, then you still have to be sexy and nice and pretty and successful and all the things. And it's just such a high standard for us all to feel like we have to meet. So what do you feel like you've seen, I guess, for the question, because it was just my little rant. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. What could we even do? Like, what have you seen work? What hasn't? Like in my circle and community, this is kind of all we're talking about right now is how women feel like they're not being met in partnership. Have you seen your friends be met? Or like, what do you think we could do? Yeah, I think that's a really big loaded question. When I look around me, there's not, I think it's the same story. And I know I'm a little bit ahead of you in years, but it's the same dynamic playing out. The difference is, is that as that dynamic continues to play out, people either get divorced or, or someone gets sick or someone cheats, but there's some fallout to that dynamic. In terms of what to do, and I spend a lot of time thinking about this too, because here's the thing. I believe in the family. Mm -hmm. I believe that the family is an essential part of our society and our civilization. When we don't have family, you know, 
and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this, for saying this, but here's my observation from the exam room, not on any kind of political stage or anything like that. But the patients that come to me without family are very lonely, especially as the years go by, you know, when they hit their 50s and 60s and 70s, there's a sense of like, well, all these people are busy with their families. Where do I fit yeah. in? Also, when they get sick, there's no system or village of caretaking or comfort. And then if we think back to that emotional body, that part of them, when I do my scanning and we do a lot of Chinese medicine evaluation and energetic scanning and all that stuff, when we look at that, there's that emotional body that's just not been filled up. So I believe in the family, but I don't believe in the family with the woman as the sacrificial lamb. That's a problem. You know, our moms did that. Yes. Right? We're not doing that because we're financially independent, but we're doing it in a different way. We're doing it at the expense of our mental health, right? And we're doing it at the expense of our joy. So the solution really has to be a re-education of men, partners, maybe some sort of counseling system that helps everyone understand kind of that this is, this family unit is precious, it's sacred, and that before you walk into it, you are going to do everything in your power to make sure it stays as a functioning intact unit, meaning both partners will provide, both partners will share in housework, both partners will be emotionally and physically present, both partners will understand their partner's needs and concerns at a given moment. It's, it's a very gentle yin-yang tug of war that happens in, in a relationship. And if it's all yin for one person and all yang for the other person, that doesn't work either. Now I'm going to flip it for a second because I'm seeing, as we talked about, a lot of like, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to work. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm seeing that. Here's the danger in that. You are now creating, again, massive polarity. And the guy is just as resentful at the woman who's staying home. Do you know how many housewives have to listen to, well, what do you do all day? Well, I provide for you. The, my favorite from the exam room, which continues to like boil my blood, is a poor woman came in with her husband. She made the no, appointment no. for her husband because she was worried about him. He's sitting there, resistant, 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 and something comes up. I don't even remember what my question was. And he turns to her and he goes, well, how do you think you're in that Range Rover that I paid for or something like that? Something that a point. Wow. Just totally like manipulation. And the woman just mm -hmm. shut down. Yep. She shut down right in front of me. So who wants that? If we all resort to the answer is to stay home, then that's a problem too. My husband and I debate this all the time. Here's my solution, which I don't know is going to be popular. The person that stays home needs to actually get some sort of salary. They need to get some sort of paycheck or some sort of salary that they can hoard away for themselves. It makes the person leaving at least feel like you know, that there's a responsibility to this unit in the house. So that was my one little idea. But I think it's more, it's deeper than that, right? It's more about re-educating everybody of what a successful family looks like mm -hmm. and how it isn't step for wives or the trad wives. That's not really the answer because then again, women are going to give up their power. We talk about the stress with juggling. I would ask you, is the stress of juggling worse than the stress of being financially dependent on somebody who may or may not have your back, depending on what's happening at any given moment. To me, that's more stressful. Yeah, it's both. It's the security thing, you know, safety. Right. It's, it's like safety. that core safety security thing when you come back to it because you feel like you might 
be with someone that would potentially leave you. But the salary thing's interesting because if you think about it within a family unit, if there was a woman that decided to stay at home, you would have to pay for childcare anyway if she right. decided to work. Right. So it's almost like putting that money away as if it was her salary, potentially. And it would protect the woman, right? Yeah, or, the, exactly. or the guy, whoever, whoever's staying mm-hmm. home. It would protect them a little bit. It would give them a sense of value. Yes. They would feel valued, yes. right? Not that they're just feeling like someone can bark orders at them. Completely. You know? um, so I don't know. That was that was the only thing I've come up with yes. so far. Love it. <laughs> so. I love it. Yeah, I know there's like no real solution. I just think about over time, you know, the fact that it was so exciting for women to start to work, but now we have two people in the household both working and people's average household income hasn't really increased. Yeah. So now there's more workers in the workforce. Women are working more than ever, but the household income's not increasing and what's going on there? What's the issue between like our taxes or whatever's happening from a governmental perspective where it's like people aren't actually seeing the money that they're all really working so hard for? And what's hard for me is that that it affects mostly the kids. Yes. That's the most important thing is that the children are being impacted. I had my mom worked my whole life. Yeah. So I didn't really have anybody around. So it was like, yeah, that was hard. It was heartbreaking and hard for a kid to kind of be alone and neglected. And I think so many kids are now growing up with just their phones as like their ultimate connection. Yeah. And that's an issue too. So I think that the government component is a big component. We can't can't gloss over that one because we do need childcare to be more accessible. We at least like last night they were talking about how like childcare is not even, you're taxed. Those are your tax, you know, like it should be, you should be able to deduct your childcare expenses, right? If you're going to go out into the workforce. So again, a lot of our systems need to be broken back down, Mm -hmm. right? And we need to change a lot of what's out there to allow women to work, to allow women to be able to be productive members of society. And at the end of the day, it protects the family. If you have a functioning working woman and a functioning working partner, male, female, however we want to describe it, those are two people going out, feeling good with their work, bringing something back home, modeling that for their children. Actually, studies show that children are more successful when the mom works because they've seen that as a model, right? But what we don't want is the mom crashing, right? She can work, but we don't want her to crash. And we don't want the dad crashing either. And the dad's had incredible stress in the other model too, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the excessive drinking and a lot of those behaviors come from. So we want a healthier family. And I think that's going to take two people. First of all, it's going to take corporations and companies adjusting to what that model needs to look like. And then it also needs to be more benefits, like make childcare tax deductible. That might be an easy way to start. Help with maternity leave. Don't just dump it on the companies and leave everything up to the company. You know, like help help us, you know, empower the women and families. It has to be a priority, you know. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I am a better daughter and sister. 
Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. What was breadwinners? Oh my goodness. So I still want to do this. I still think there's something there. I yes. still think there's something there. Maybe we need to revisit it. So I had written a pilot for a show based on these experiences called Breadwinners and how women that are earning the majority of money in their homes, really what their lives are like. What does it look like? Because again, on Instagram, it looks amazing, right? Yes. Like I'm at an event. I've done this. I've done that. Like, mm-hmm. But what is it really like? And so going behind the scenes and seeing what it does to their relationships what it does to their health, their relationship with their children, how much they're really involved in their community, because many breadwinners are not. They have no community engagement time. One of, I don't know if you know this, but one of the quality of life indicators that many people use across the world is civic engagement. That's That really determines your quality of life. If you're too busy working and juggling and you're not civically engaging, that's a part of your health that's being sacrificed. So really getting that raw look at a female brain, a male brain, how it all comes together, and what does it mean when women carry the sole financial responsibility in a relationship? Mm-hmm. And the biggest question, can it really work? Mm-hmm. Because I I have s- some thoughts around that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it can? I think it's really hard. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard. I think it takes a man who's very evolved yes. to be able to be in that situation. Yes who's very sure of themselves, who maybe already accomplished something. And so they've proven themselves and they're done. And this is like a second song for them. But for a guy out there who has not, the male ego is really interesting. It needs to grasp onto something, right? It's usually money or it's accomplishment. It's an external title. Very few men are as inward as we might be, right? We can sit and be at peace with ourselves. We don't necessarily need to have external validation constantly. Unfortunately, the one type of validation we all seek is is physical, right? Am I pretty enough? Am I thin enough? All that crap. But for men, they don't have that as much, but they definitely do have the accomplishment, the financial part. So when they don't have that and they become emasculated, they bring that behavior in the home is what I've seen. And again, there are exceptions. Men that are evolved, men that have already done a lot, men that have already accomplished a lot, men that are just at a different vibration, right? But if we're talking masses, the mass majority, that's an issue I've seen over and over again. Yeah, because men, it's like purpose. Yes. They're here for like their linear purpose. I have seen it's actually beautiful. Obviously, I've seen some bad cases. I've seen some really beautiful cases in some of my friends where it does take the evolution of the man that can have the conversation to acknowledge and be truthful about where they're at, where they're at from a money perspective and really understand within the family unit what their value is. Totally. Like their value in whatever roles that they're doing. And yeah, it can work. But I, I've seen more that it's really challenging. It's You're right. It's like a very specific man. Yeah. For the emotion component, have you seen a success story for a client where you you were both able to identify a specific emotion and they were able to heal and process that emotion and then you saw the health improve? Absolutely. Thousand times. 
So anger, right? We talk about anger. Anger is held in the liver. The angrier you are, the more repressed anger you are, we see those signs in the exam room. That's high blood pressure. That's estrogen dominance. That's a lot of cardiometabolic issues. That's high blood sugar, high insulin. Working on that emotion of anger over time, none of this is quick. This is not like, hey, solve your anger. Call me in the morning. It's not that, right? But working on that in a deliberate way and identifying and tapping into it over time lowers blood pressure, you know, brings cortisol down. We see blood sugar levels go down. And what does all that going down mean? You engage in behaviors that are now more conducive to your health rather than reactive to your health. If you're angry and stressed out and you've got high blood sugar and high blood pressure, you're going to just grab for whatever makes you feel good in the moment. You're like flailing around, right? Like, give me that drink. Give me that. Give me this. Give me coffee. Give me, you know, give me whatever. It's going to make me feel good right now. Like I'm bad right now, right? But the minute you deal with those emotions and you understand where they're coming from and you work to release them and you unblock yourself, right, then you are more in alignment with behaviors that are going to work for you, not against you, you know. And that's honestly how sometimes people start to lose weight. That's when belly fat starts to go away, right? We talk a lot about every other thing when it comes to belly fat and weight, myself included, but this emotional undercurrent is driving behavior. It's not what you think, it's how you feel. And the longer I've been in practice, I've spent a lot of time with like, I can give you guys information. I, you know, I can spew information from here to eternity, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to go home and be like, oh my God, that was so overwhelming. I, I really don't to start, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. or are you going to be like, okay, she wanted me to do this. And then are you going to continue to do whatever this is because it made you feel good? And then it's going to lead you to the next behavior and the next behavior and the next one. Yeah. With the weight thing, it's, you know, that was something that I really have gone through my own journey in the past year because I really struggled with my body for most of my life, just kind of, you know, in that loop thought. And it wasn't until my separation that I really have felt really good and comfortable in my skin because I have really taken my grief process seriously. I've taken my anger seriously. I've taken the process of processing my emotions. Yeah. And before I was just like, Holding, holding on to everything, yeah. protecting myself, weight of the world on my shoulders. Like it's all on me. Like just the patterns that I was really experiencing in my relationship were manifesting in my body mm -hmm. as like armor, as protection, as like discomfort, as yeah, all these things. And it's actually just been so wild to see. It's like, I know it, but then when you experience and see it, you're like, wow, that's actually very real. And to go through a life of like focusing on the things like, what should I eat? How should I work out? Da, 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 da. And then it's like, oh, really? If I just focus on like taking care of myself and taking care of what energy is moving through me at the time it's moving through me and allow it to really be fully felt, that's like all I've really needed. Totally. And I think one of the biggest things and what I keep hearing from other experts too is, is the destabilization of the nervous system, right? And we have, going back to superwoman syndrome, even my story, we assume that being in chaos, being super stressed out, having a million things to do is good. That's like a safe place. Oh, yes. That's a good thing. You get an A. Yay, you made an A. Yeah. So my husband always jokes with me. He's like, I'll give you an A because he oh, knows I had to study. Well, he knows I studied my I butt that. off, right? Yes. He's like, you want an A? You know? So it's a running joke between us. But it's that mentality, right? The more I suffer, the more I am uncomfortable, the greater reward is coming at some point, right? And 
I think it's the American dream, it's baby. It's the American dream, right? So Working for retirement. Exactly. You know, and definitely from an immigrant family where yes. that was, there was no Friday, there was no Saturday night, yep. there was just work. Yep. Work was our currency. And so, you know, so I understand all of that. And I understand too, there are points of your life that you will not be balanced because you're trying to accomplish something. But as you and I were talking about, like, is it just moving from goal mm-hmm. to goal to goal or is it, let's pause, take it in, then move on, Right. And so we're all guilty of that because we've been so wired to succeed for so long. So, you know, the destabilization of the nervous system prevents us from feeling joy and from feeling happiness and from truly experiencing life, right? And really where we need to go to is like, instead of being in that nervous system haywire space all the time, like what makes you happy? Like what makes you smile? And it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be just most Quick, of the time it isn't. You know, like yes. just get it. I was super happy today walking in the sun here. It just made me feel good. And so just what are the little things that, that bring you joy and make you feel good? That will change your entire day rather than being like, I got to power through. I, gotta, I just got to get through this. I got to buckle down. And I used to say, you know, with the Superwoman RX, when that book came out in 2017, it was all about stop powering through, power up. And then now with the hormone shift, it's about like, let's journey up, like literally move up the chakras, like move up and evolve in your spiritual growth, in your energetic growth, in your physical growth, because that will bring in whatever it is you're supposed to do. You just said everything I like. I'm like, yes, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of this. Because that's what I always feel like. I'm like, if when I was running and rushing and just killing myself, the beginning of almost 30 was working a full-time job in downtown and we were building this business. We did world tours when we had full-time jobs, yada, yada. And I was just killing myself. And I didn't have the spiritual foundation that I have now in that like God foundation, mm-hmm. you know, the foundation that really just like allows me to come back and recenter and remember what's true right. and what like, because before I was just chasing money or safety or security or all these things that were outside myself. So yeah, what's the relationship do you see between hormones in the chakra system or spirituality in this journey? Spirituality is the goal. So if you think about the chakra system, right, like you are on your journey at the right time, right? Because the pelvic floor, the pelvic chakra, like, right, those base root chakras, those are all about stability. I was there too, stability and security and safety and making sure that you're laying that foundation, right? We can't talk about these higher ideas when there's no foundation for folks, right? Whether it's you or me or somebody else listening. You have to create that foundation. That's root chakra issue. Then you move up and you start to examine in the next chakras, some of your fears, your insecurities. The hormones are connected to that. Root chakra issues match certain hormone imbalances. Root chakra is usually more cortisol. It's usually primarily cortisol. Yeah, because you're running and rushing around and going crazy to seek security. Okay, exactly. And then as you move up, maybe you're starting to deal more with insulin or thyroid issues. As you move up further, now you're starting to deal more with like estrogen, progesterone, and those type of things. So as you're moving up the chakra, each layer of the chakra is a lesson in spiritual growth, essentially. So you could time it by age a little bit. And I do that a little bit in the book, like 13 through 24, 25. You're kind of down here in your pelvis. You're a little bit, you're trying to come up into your abdomen. As you move into your mid-20s, then you're getting closer to your heart. Mid-20s, 30s, you're coming more into this heart space. Hopefully you're choosing things that open up your heart, open you up. If you're not, then you're shutting back down. And that's when we see the depletion of the hormone levels. We see blockages. We see estrogen dominance when that that heart area is blocked as well. 
Wow. So you see, because my hormones were incredibly depleted when I last got tested. So probably closed heart. Yep. Closed heart. And that was my issue too, by the way. Closed heart, shut down, totally blocked and shut down. So that's what we see through this heart chakra space, right? But again, every stage is an evolution to drive you up. So then what's next? It's like self-expression, right? Throat chakra, being able to communicate, being able to like have this conversation, right? Now I can communicate freely. I'm not afraid. That was an evolution for me, right? So now we're up here in the throat chakra and then we have the spirituality part up here. Anytime your hormones are off, you're going to be blocked somewhere in this hormone pathway, in the chakra pathway. You're going to be blocked somewhere along the way. And the blockages come with the emotions that you're not dealing with. So the emotional body, the chakra body, the hormone body, the physical body, the mental body, they're all connected. And it's easy, hard to talk about these things because I see them. Yeah. Like I can see them on a wall. Like I see it all and I can see it all doing this routine, right? Totally. But for somebody else, they might look at me depending on where they are and be like, oh, yeah. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I was was literally just thinking that. I'm like, do people, are people like, because everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, mm -hmm, yep, this all tracks 100. And our audience is like, this all tracks 100%. This They like turned on when you started with that. Yeah. But yeah, does the medical community, you see them? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. They're not ready. And so I kind of know who to say what to. Totally. They're not ready. They are ready. The World Health Organization just came out with the health triangle, which now says, that the physical, this is shocking, the physical body, the mental body, and the emotional body are actually connected. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> just, yes. just in case you were waiting on that. They always have to keep it in like a triangle. They They're like food, tri- food pyramid move over. We exactly. got our new triangle. So now it's real. They really are wow. connected. So I thought that was funny. And then also, this is also just hilarious to me, but the quality of life indicators that organizations like the CDC and the World Health Organization, all these other people use. One of them, civic engagement was one. Mm. The other one was spirituality. It was spirituality and having connection to spirit. That's mm-hmm. a big part of it too. It's the sustainer. Yeah. It's like, what is true nourishment? And that's what I see so much from a cultural perspective. This is my second soapbox. It's like, what do I see from a cultural perspective is just so many people that are so spiritually malnourished. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't even mean like, and this isn't even saying that you have to have my type of spirituality or my connection. You don't have to be religious doesn't need to be something, but having some sort of foundation or understanding of your divinity, reawakening to our divinity is a lot of the reason why I think that we're here and it just provides such a more beautiful, peaceful way of being. Well, I think that's another whole system that people are really, just like medicine, people are lost. They're so lost. Oh, yeah. I mean, our, you know, I grew up Catholic. That, right. Our whole, the whole religion system, you know, is separate from spirituality and that really has really traumatize people. Totally. And I think that and there's a lot of argument in this world, too, that you need the rituals of religion to be able to express your spirituality. If you don't have rituals, if you don't have practices, then how do you have that relationship? Right. There's a lot of argument about that. But I think what people have woken up to, myself included, is that you say you're a good X, Y or Z, but you act like A, B and C. I don't get it Mm -hmm. and I don't buy it. So I think then there's a whole slew of us walking around highly spiritual, highly connected but not really having a community yeah. because maybe we don't want to go to church or maybe I don't want to go to the mosque or I don't want to go to a temple. So we're kind of lost. And then what's happening is within the family unit, especially if we marry outside of our respective faiths or we marry somebody like ourselves who's really not into a particular faith, 
how do you build that in your children? So one of my dreams has always been to create these like multi-faith, you know, sort of centers where you just come in and you meet other people that think like you. When you intermingle, you bring your family, you bring your kids and there's no like, oh, are you this? Are mm -hmm. you that? Or it's not, it's none of that. It's just the ability of one spirit to connect to another, which is at the end of the day, why we're here. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to create a church because then people have that trauma of around it. Right. And then it's, but you do want to create a environment where people can be in that energy. Correct. You know, it's the I've, energy. That's the right word. Yeah. It's the energy that you're trying yeah, to create. Because right? I've even, in my faith journey, it's like, I'm like, I'm not Christian at all, but I'm like, what's the, how can I talk freely about God and my relationship, but not, where do I go? Yeah. And it's like, well, whenever, that's where a lot of us are, you yeah. know, like, where do I go? Yeah. Where yeah. do I go? Because do I, I don't, because yeah. even if I've gotten close to, I would love that Christianity has this perceived value of having God as the foundation mm -hmm. of your life. I love that. But then I'm like, you get in it and you're like, I don't want it. But then you're telling me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you're judging this. That's or, the judgment part, right? Exactly. Christianity is a beautiful religion. Yeah. Even Islam is a beautiful yes. religion. But the judgment, the laws, mm -hmm. the like separation, the separation mm -hmm. is like, I don't want to go somewhere away from my husband and kids to pray and worship. Like, yeah. I need them right beside yes. me, you know? So it's like all these like things that have been put into it, I think, turn us off collectively, mm -hmm. you know? So I think a lot of us are searching mm -hmm. and trying to find home when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being able to feel safe in our bodies and being able to like love and honor the physical experience in the human body. And I think that's why understanding our hormones as we understand and become more embodied. It's right. like when the beginning of your spiritual journey, you're like, I was like, oh, I'm on Venus and you like want to be out of the body. Right. But it's like, no, coming back into the body. Well, I think the biggest thing for everyone to understand is that when things aren't balanced chemically and hormonally, you're blocked. You can't obtain that level of spirituality that you're hoping for. You just become totally blocked. You literally go from light to dark. I've watched it. You know, you go from, I'm going to do this and that and I have all this energy and I have empathy for people and I have compassion and all this other stuff to being like, everyone's out to get me. I hate everybody. I'm like hands up and ready to fight and all this other stuff. That darkness is connected to your hormones and to your chemistry. Not everybody's going to get that. I can only probably only say that here. But that darkness I have felt when my hormones are off, I have seen in my patients. And we know that there's a connection there. So if we really want to be enlightened spiritual creatures in our own path and on our own journey, doing what we're supposed to do for humanity, then this is a part of the conversation. Not to take it too far out, but it is. Because when we are blocked, whether it's your thyroid, your estrogen, your insulin, cortisol, testosterone, any of those things, when you become blocked, you can't get there. And then you're flailing around and doing things that are quick fixes, but they're not really going to work. Beautiful. Yeah. Last thing on that part, I was thinking about our community and being on a part of their evolution through the chakra system and the hormone issues that they're experiencing. And I do feel like they're at their throat now. Like yeah. They're ready to express. They're ready to step forward. They're ready Probably to use like their here. voice. Yeah. Yes, yeah. here. Yeah. So if they are in this space, like what would you suggest for them to not knowing obviously about their hormone situation, but how can they really take care of themselves and their hormones? First of all, make sure you're sleeping because many of the women in that space are not sleeping. Make sure that you are eating consistently and then schedule two to three hours of self-care every week, whatever that needs to look like. And opening up the heart chakra and moving into the throat chakra is work, right? 
But again, having those basics down, I think, are really important. There's some essential oils I really like to use, too, to open these areas up. I don't know if you've played with any Mm -hmm. of those before. But hawthorn berry is very specific to the heart chakra. Rose is very specific to the heart chakra. I could probably live in a bed of roses. Frankincense and sandalwood Mm -hmm. help the throat. So these are things you could use in your kind of journey of trying to open these areas up. But I think let's make sure you're sleeping. And if you're not, your progesterone's off, you're storing estrogen, and you're not getting the rest you need to do the work to open this area up. Beautiful. What are you most excited about for everyone that's going to get the hormone shift? Oh, my goodness. The hormone shift. I'm just hoping that it will literally help women to rewrite their stories, to understand where they are, which shift that they're in. There are five major hormone shifts that we all experience. I love how you do that. What are they? So they all have fun names, right? Heck so the yeah. so the young ones are the rock stars. Then you have hustlers. Then you have super mm-hmm. women again. They make a reappearance. Then you have superstars. You have commanders. But it's sort of the journey that we do as women and kind of like the different phases of life. phases of our life yeah. and how our hormones shift with those different phases of life. So find out what shift you're in and find out what you need to do to get your hormones balanced or at least get them checked and understand mm-hmm. what to do. And then if you're ready for the journey up is what I call it. If you're ready for that, understand where your emotions are, where your chakras are, where you might be seated to really get, like, I want people's lives to change. Yes, I want their hormones fixed, but I want to hear those stories of, oh my gosh, I started that business or I had that child or I got married or I left that guy, whatever it is. I want to hear about your life changing because you followed this path and this journey. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. Thank you. This has been amazing. It's been so fun to talk I'm to you. So, it's been incredible. We've we've done so good. Yeah, I feel like I'm just really grateful because I mentioned we talked about hormones, but not at all in this type of holistic type of way. Right. And it just feels so fresh and it feels so new and it feels so important and it feels so cutting edge and it feels so liberating. So I'm just really grateful. The book is amazing. It's beautiful. I love the cover. It just seems like something that our audience can really, really, really benefit from. I think they'll love it. And then remind me just quickly, your previous book too, because I actually, I remember I looked in my email, I took the test. You did. I'm I'm the nightingale. You are. We should take it again. How long ago did you take it? I actually, that's hilarious. Say more about why you you disagree. Well, nightingales are depleted. Uh, Yes, it was old. I took it in in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going through depletion. Yes. Okay. Depletion. Yeah. So you're probably different now. Yes. And the point of that was, again, our fluidity. We shift and change. So I'd be curious to see where you are now. I'm going to take it now. Yeah. But that book was? The Superwoman Rx. Okay. So the Superwoman Rx. And on your website, you can take a test to figure out which type you are, which is really, really interesting. So the book, The Hormone Shift, is out now, and you can now get it. We will see you soon. Thank you so much, Dr. Taz. Again, the book is The Hormone Shift, which is out now. You can go to drtaz.com for more. She's on Instagram at Dr. Taz. And if you want to find more information about hormones, birth control, you can search hormones almost 30. You can search birth control almost 30. We have tons of other episodes that we've done over the years that are super informative and helpful. More information for almost 30 at almost30.com, of course. Almost 30 podcasts on TikTok and Instagram. Heck yeah, baby. Thank you. We love you all. We will see you on the next one. We'll see you soon. Bye.